What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Finance for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wren. Join me as we dig into what it looks like for physicians to begin using their finances as a tool to live better lives. You can learn more about our resources at financeforphysicians.co. Let's jump into today's episode. What's up, everyone? Hope you're having a great day. I am uh, excited to talk about some of the big changes. It seems like all kinds of stuff is changing right now, tax-wise, student loan-wise. There's a lot of stuff. It's it's kind of a wild economy. The economy's really just weird right now. There's a lot of unique stuff going on. So I wanted to talk about mainly two things today. Number one is the student loan change that has already happened, the PSLF waiver, which we covered more in depth a couple episodes ago. But I wanted to hit on some of the things that we're seeing and kind of remind you guys of the big points there. And then number two, I wanted to talk about the proposed changes to the tax laws. Now, this one is not set in stone. It's just kind of what is the proposal at the moment. Uh, it's looking more and more likely that it will happen, but it ha- it is not final at all. So I just wanted to talk through what that is looking like at the, at the moment. And ideally, uh, you can kind of come away there knowing what potential strategies are in play. And, and come, you know, be able to, to, to take that into in, advantage in your situation. So without further ado, we're, we're going to jump into that and then talk through those today. Okay, so number one, the PSLF waiver. The reason I wanted to bring this up again was it's such, it, it's, it seems like uh, as we're starting to talk to people, this is a pretty big benefit and it's going to affect a lot of people. Uh, so I wanted to uh, just hit the high points really. If you want to hear uh, and understand the details, you can check out our episode a uh, couple shows back where we go over the PSLF waiver in more depth. But today I'm going to hit the high points. So number one, who does it affect? So if you currently work at a nonprofit or if you have in the past really even worked at a nonprofit for, you know, it, especially if you've worked at a nonprofit for 10 years, or if it's less than that, maybe you plan to go back at a nonprofit, back to a nonprofit in the future. So any of you that have currently worked at a nonprofit or that had a good amount of time at a nonprofit, especially 10 years plus, and that have federal student loans, that's the group that's potentially benefiting from this PSLF waiver. So what I'm finding is there's a lot of people that uh, are currently working for nonprofit hospitals that have always been in the nonprofit setup, maybe, you know, most people in training were in nonprofit hospitals. And then they maybe they went out into practice and just started working for a hospital. Most hospitals are nonprofit. And um, they had loan federal loans, but were they were never qualified uh, all along. You know, FFEL loans don't qualify for PSLF. And it was just not on their radar. And now this is this PSLF waiver has happened and they're now immediately eligible. So that crowd is having, you know, the biggest uh, potential benefits. Uh, the crowd that was, was kind of doing everything right all along, except they didn't have the right type of loans. Anyway, anybody in that nonprofit setup that it still has federal student loans, I definitely strongly encourage like taking a hard look at that. If you want to reach out to us, we can help look at that. It's, you know, if you work with us, definitely reach out to us about that. We definitely want to take a hard look at that, make sure we understand what it's looking like and, and make sure you're maximizing this benefit. There are a few action items you have to take. And that brings me to the second point. So second point 
is if you're in that situation, when in doubt, definitely take these steps. If you're working with us, reach out. We'll, we'll let you know if you need to take them. But the steps you need to take if you potentially qualify for this. So number one, make sure that your loans are direct federal loans. So a lot of loans, federal loans, especially the older ones, are FFEL loans. You have to make sure they are turned into direct loans. And the way you do this is a direct consolidation. So that's the first thing. Second thing is you have to make sure all your prior employment is certified or verified for the entire period uh, under consideration. So that requires uh, you know completing a form or having your prior employer sign off on a form and uh, getting that done. So those are the two things you have to do. I would encourage getting on this fast, like you know ASAP. I have a feeling there'll be a little bit of a rush to do this, and I think the the servicers are going to be the loan servicers. You're going to have a lot to keep up with on this, so I would definitely encourage getting on this. So as I mentioned, check out the episode from a couple shows back to get more details on this. Uh, also, feel free to reach out to us. So the second big thing I want to talk about: big, lots of big tax changes pending here. As I'm recording this, it's October 22nd, 2021, and uh, they've released the details of the proposed plan. The Democrats have control, but they have to get every single vote, and it's not going to be like there's still you know some negotiating to happen, uh, and they you know it's not going to be as easy to get every single vote, but it is looking likely that something will happen, and there's a there's a good chance a lot of things in this proposal will happen. Maybe not everything. Maybe some of the things will get tweaked. But, it, you know, it's looking like a lot of this stuff is, uh, you know, potentially going to change. But it's with any of these things, it's not set in stone. So we're going to have to wait, wait and see. Hopefully, if they're going to change it, hopefully it happens sooner than later. But I wouldn't be surprised if it gets dragged out, you know, towards the end of the year. Hopefully it's not like New Year's Eve, but you never know. So first big change that is pending is an increase to the tax brackets. So this is for just normal income, like ordinary income is what they call it, but just like money you make from working in a job. And so we have tax brackets. So the tax brackets, basically the more you make, the higher percentage of that dollar you pay on taxes. And so at this point, there's no change for people making below 400000 if you're single or 450 if you're married filing jointly. So if you're below that threshold of the of taxable income, it's not affecting. There's no changes at this point. Now if you're above this, it depends. You're definitely looking at increases. But um, for people with a uh, for married filing jointly people with a taxable income in that 450 to 628,000 range, you're looking at a 4.6% increase on what it was before. So you might be wondering, like, what was it before? So in the 450, like the current tax brackets for married filing jointly are 35% tax bracket for 418 and change to 628 and change. That bracket still is going to stay around, but it just gets cut off at 450. So really what they're doing is they're just saying, starting at 450, we're increasing taxes. So from 450 to 628,000, it's going to go up 4.6% to 39.6%. And so, whereas it used to be 35%. So what is that? What's, what's an example? How does that affect 
mean? So let's say, for example, you make you're married filing jointly, your taxable income is five hundred and fifty thousand a year. So in you know twenty twenty one tax world, if we're comparing that to this proposed twenty twenty two tax world, you're looking at like around a forty six hundred dollar increase in taxes just based on this tax change, and that's a annual you know tax change uh, annual increase. Now, if your income is above six twenty eight for married filing jointly, you're gonna see a, about a two point six percent increase on the income above six twenty eight. So you're still gonna it's gonna kind of like bump up and then down a little bit. And so you know not not quite as big of an increase, but you're still gonna have to pay you know the four point six percent everyone has to pay that makes above four fifty. So that's how progressive taxes work. Anybody that makes, if you make a million dollars a year, um, you have to pay that higher 4.6% higher rate, that 39.6% rate on the income above 450000 You're going to have to pay that. It's going to be 4.6% higher up to 628. And then starting at 628, it's going to be 2.6% higher. So everybody still has to pay that higher 4.6% rate if you're above 450 uh, and making a really, really high income. But that increase rate just goes down a little bit when you hit that 628 threshold. So uh, in other words, uh, it's going up. It's just going up at a, a slightly lower uh, rate when you're above that 628 level. So at the end of the day, if you're in that high income range, you know, it's like I said, it's looking likely. So you might be thinking about maybe, you know, if you, it really depends on if you have flac, uh, flexibility in this sort of thing. Like if you own a business, you know, or if you can do like um, retirement plan contributions or if you have, you know, some expenses that you can take on, uh, you know, like a business, business owners have the most flexibility in this type of stuff. Those are the things you would be, you could be thinking about, uh, you know, as, you know, maybe you want to, so the gist of it is maybe you want to think about accelerating income into 2021 because it's looking more and more likely that it's going to be taxed at a higher rate uh, in 2022. So if you're, say, for example, you're making 550000 a year and you're a business owner, maybe you want to push some of that income into 2021 while the tax brackets are lower. And then in exchange, that's going to lower your tax you pay in 2022. So because of these changes, it's kind of like increasing the incentive to accelerate income in 2021 if, if you have that choice. And then on top of it, it's going to I'll increase the incentive to uh, maximize deductions in 2022. So good example there. If you are, um, you know, if you give charitably and say you're going to, you like to give at the end of the year and you're in this kind of sweet, well, it's not very sweet, it's, you know, sour spot of potential big increases. Maybe you want to, instead of doing your char big charitable gift in December you know, 15th, you might want to give January 1st of 2022 because you're going to be in a 4.6% higher rate. So if you give 100,000 just round numbers, that's going to, you know, and, and you were in that sweet spot by giving it in 2020, 
two, you're going to save 4.6% or $4,600 on that $100,000 gift. So those are the types of things. It'll also increase the appeal of a pre-tax 401k in, in 2022. So pre-tax or you know things that lower your income will become more appealing the higher they raise taxes. So those kinds of things will be strategies to be thinking about as this stuff hopefully shakes out. Well, I mean, you know, maybe they don't even pass anything. I guess that's a possibility as well. But it's it, like I said, it's looking more and more likely. Second thing that's on the docket to potentially change is capital gains tax. Rates are increasing not as much as they originally proposed, but uh, at this point, uh, the you know sticking with those four hundred and four fifty thousand levels. So for uh, married filing jointly, it's looking at this point like uh, you know when your income exceeds four hundred fifty thousand, but is below around five hundred thousand your uh, capital gains tax rates, and that is the tax you pay on like selling an investment like a stock or um, even real estate. So the rate, the tax rate that you pay when your income is in that 450 to 500,000 range is set to increase by 10% in 2022. And then if you're above 500,000, it's set to increase by 5%. So basically, it's going to be a little bit more expensive tax-wise to sell capital gain assets in 2022 than it was in 2021. What everybody was talking about in, in, um, in the tax world uh, initially when they knew this was potentially coming is, well, maybe we want to uh, accelerate uh, capital gains before this happens. So let's say you have an investment account that you've had for a long time and it's worth $2 million and the amount that you have, uh, the total amount you've put in is, is a hundred thousand. So it's got a hundred thousand or I'm sorry, a million. So let's say it's worth 2 million. You put in 1 million. So you're in that scenario, your capital gain that has not yet been realized is a million dollars. So if you have a lot of growth in some assets that have not yet been taxed and you see this type of thing coming, maybe you're going to be like, oh, well, shoot, I'll just as soon as they pass this tax law, I'm going to like sell it. Take the I'll take the lower capital gains tax rate now before it goes up, you know, five to 10 percent. So also in the proposal, they included this provision that if you sold capital assets, there's a few kind of qualifiers for this, but if you Basically, if you intentionally sell assets to incur capital gains after, I think it was September uh, 13th of 2021, sometime in September, then they would be disqualified and, and treated under the 2022 tax laws. So basically, they're like retroactively pulling it back to the date of the, the formal proposal to avoid having a bunch of people take big capital gains tax hits intentionally to kind of work around this. So that is a, you know, I guess that's a down, you know, uh, if you have big capital assets, that's a bad, definitely bad news. But on the other hand, if you, let's say you're in um, training uh, or uh, early, you're, you're in your first year in practice, like half year this year, and your income is expected to go up next year or in the future, but it hasn't yet. And let's say you have investments that have capital gains in them. 
this might be 2021 might be like the a fantastic year to kind of go ahead and take those capital gains uh, before the end of the year um, or before uh, your in- income tax bracket goes up um, because the way these brackets work. So going back to that 450000 threshold, nothing's changing if you're below that threshold. So if your income is below that, these capital gains taxes are not going to uh, increase. And in certain cases, if your income is low enough, you're not paying any capital gains. So many of you in training. So if your income is below 80000 the capital gains tax rate is and it is set to continue to be 0%. So if you have these assets now when your income is low and you expect it to be high in the future, it could be a home run opportunity to go ahead and take capital gains. And, and that's more just because income is below that 400 to 450 threshold. Also, I think, so starting in 2022, assuming this all passes, I think it's going to increase, um, you know, the v- potential benefits of tax loss harvesting or deferring gains on capital assets. Like basically everybody's going to, you know, be wanting or trying to defer or avoid taking capital assets when your income is above above that 450 threshold. So if you are in that situation or expect to be above that 400 to 450 threshold, you definitely want to pay close attention, you know, to those capital gains assets and, you know, have a plan for minimizing taxation on them, especially. So that's going to become especially important starting in 2022. Okay. So a couple more changes on the docket. If so, this is for, um, business owners. I think a lot of, um, independent contractor physicians, uh, are, are set up as an S corp. And then a lot of small practices are, uh, as well. So S corps, if you're taxed as an S corp, there's, there's the proposal includes a tax increase for the profit part. So when you're an S corp, you pay yourself a salary, a reasonable salary, and then there's profit in the business. And if you're the owner, you're going to get the profit as well. At this, under the current tax law, there you're not charged uh, outside of just the normal, ordinary income tax rates. Uh, but in the new proposed tax law, they're um, proposing adding the net investment income tax, which is something that they already t- uh, tax on for investment income when your income is high. So if you're in the S corp setup and your income is in that four hundred to five hundred thousand range, you're potentially going to start having to pay tax uh, this net investment income or NIIT tax on that S corp profit. So basically, it's decreasing the benefits of having an S corp, or increase it increases the taxes on S corp business owners. So that's you know definitely if you're an S corp, you want to check that out. We have my business is uh, one of my businesses is set up in, as an S corp, so it's definitely you know on the radar. Another change proposed, probably not a you know a lot of not a lot of people on this uh, uh, listening to this uh, would be affected by this, but I'm sure a handful of people are. So for ultra high income, right now they have it at five million, but I could see them playing with that number. But right now, ultra high income is going to have an additional three percent tax on top of everything else. So that's going to really make their tax rates high. And the last big thing I wanted to mention that's on the um, 
docket here is uh, the backdoor Roth IRA. Uh, so this, I think this is affecting a lot of people we work with. Basically, they are uh, proposing that starting in 2022, they'll, that there's no more Roth conversions on after-tax dollars. So basically what that translates to is you can't do a backdoor Roth IRA or a mega backdoor Roth IRA. So that's kind of where you do it, the backdoor Roth thing on a 401k. So by disallowing Roth conversions on after-tax dollars, that's effectively killing the backdoor Roth. So that's a pretty big deal if you're doing that. It's a definitely a nice tax way to tax shelter your dollars. So, you know, we'll see what shakes out. But I would uh, really think about, you know, if you do these, and you do it every year, I would really think about trying to get all steps of that process, the backdoor Roth process, done before the end of the calendar year 2021. Because there's a chance, you know, tax-wise, you can fund the IRAs until you do your tax return the following, you know. So in 2021, you are doing. You can do your tax return April 15th, 2022. But there's a chance that they have passed this and you can't, effectively do the backdoor Roth if you're trying to do it at the, you know in the last minute there. So I would really think about if you're if you normally do these, get it done before the end of the calendar year if possible. Um, if if you're working with us, definitely reach out to us and uh, let's make sure you have, you know, even if you plan to fund it, let's make sure there's like a good plan to, to try to knock that out if possible. The other part about this, uh they're right now they're talking uh about getting rid of any Roth conversions for people above a certain income level. So uh, the first thing I mentioned was the backdoor Roth. That's for after-tax dollars. But there's also Roth conversions for pre-tax dollars, which can be beneficial when you're in a lower tax bracket. The proposal is saying they're going to get rid of after of, of, of Roth conversions for you know, people above the 400 to 450 threshold, which is not quite as big of a deal because the Real big benefits of the Roth conversion uh, occur like the lower your income. So when you're in training or income is low, that's where Roth conversions, you know, generally make the most sense, especially when you expect income in the future to be high. So it's not a huge deal. But if you are really, really high income and you are like an excellent saver, so, you know, say you're in the higher six figures and you save a lot in a lot of cases, that situation, the Roth conversion makes a lot of sense, uh, but they're going to, they're, it's looking like they're going to take it away. There's, there's a little, there's some phase out stuff uh, that they propose. We'll have to see how that shakes out. But, you know, at this point, it's, it's not looking good for the Roth conversion for high income. So I think those are the big things. Um, hopefully we get a little bit more um, information on this or my opinion, if, if they're going to do something, I would prefer them to get it done as fast as possible so we can, like I said, know what's coming down. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on it. And as we start to see, get more information, we'll definitely let you guys know. And as I mentioned, if you have questions on any of these things, if you have questions on the PSLF front, the PSLF waiver, definitely check out the show from a couple shows back on that. And if you have anything on the tax stuff, definitely reach out for questions and we'll we'll do our best to cover that in a future episode. 
Hope everyone uh, has a great day today and uh, hope hope these tax changes are beneficial to you or not too painful for you. And at worst, we will do our best to kind of strategize and help you kind of make the best of what ultimately ends up happening. As always, thank you so much for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please give us a review on iTunes and share with a friend. Also check out our website at financeforphysicians.co for all sorts of additional content. See you next time. Finance for Physicians is not an investment, tax, legal, or financial advisor. All content included in this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial tax or legal advice. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by Finance for Physicians as to another party's informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. If you don't have an advisor or would like a second opinion, feel free to check out our website for recommended advisors.